1: Gordon Mac, it is Monday, April thirteenth. We're kicking off Bowerman Week on the site. Gordon, how are you doing?
0: Doing good. Listen to a couple of your podcasts without me. Uh, got I had a little bit of some disagreements with some of the, the takes you guys were having uh, without me, but it's okay. That's what happens when you have a, a three-way podcast. Can't be involved in every conversation, so you can't uh, have my Gordon opinion represented. Uh, five days a week, only three to five days a week. So it's okay. But there was one thing I wanted to mention. The news broke Mm -hmm. about the 2020 world start dates. Uh, And I don't think you guys really uh, mentioned how the 2022 start dates, how unique that start date is. So a July 15th start date, it's the first time ever that worlds will be held in July. Right. The mm-hmm. previous mm-hmm. Uh, earliest since 2000 was August 3rd. So that was the second most recent. So we're adding, you know, 18 extra days earlier. And I did some little analysis from, from now till 2000. So the past like 20 years, Okay, there's only going to be 34 days between the end of NCAAs and the start of worlds. Now for perspective, the next uh, – so that's the shortest it's ever been. The next longest is 48 days, which is a full two weeks almost. And that will be 2021, which is when the Olympics are going to be. So that – so it's even shorter than what was already going to be the shortest. So the actual shortest it's ever been that we've actually held, held the meet was in 2017, where NCAs ended on June 10th. And then 55 days later, August 4th, we had – worlds so to go from 55 day break to 34 day break that's pretty big and i know you think like oh it's easy you just ncaa's two weeks usa's two weeks worlds we've never had usa's this close to worlds i know we think it always should be but the closest usa's has ever been to worlds is 31 day in 2004 an olympic year mm-hmm. and we're not obviously it's going to be less than 31 days because NCAAs is 34 days away so it's going to be in the 20s so i don't know i think it's going to be kind of interesting having such a close worlds and usa date and you guys didn't seem to think that was that big of a deal
1: well i just think we had plenty of time to discuss it we got 2 years i didn't want to burn that one <laughs> in in april of 2020 i like that you that was your m- number one gripe. I was waiting for you to have some sort of opinion about something Lincoln said. I mean, everybody's disagree. Who is ever not on the pod listens in fury at the other yeah. two people doing the pod, and they're saying wrong, wrong, wrong uh, about it. I like your guys' pod personally. Uh, I don't think you're that far off based on everything. I just like it when you argue about arbitrary dates. Uh, you bring. What was what was the 2019 number? Must be huge from NCAA's to worlds.
0: So 2019, the difference was 111 days.
1: And that's the biggest?
0: That's the biggest. Tied with 2,000. Was also was 111 days. So most of okay. the years, it's anywhere between mid-50s to 70. So in the 60s range. That's what typical timeframe is. It's a two-month timeframe between end of NCAAs and start of Worlds. But now we're cutting that completely in half to a 34-day timeframe, which I think is very different. I don't know. It's okay. I mean,
1: well, let's – Let's let's take a let's take a look here at how the NCAA athletes did this year, uh, who made but it to Worlds. For,
0: well, for me, it's not even about NCAA's; it's about how USA's has to be within that window, right? Because you're not going to have USA's before NCAA's. So, the real thing I want to talk about the real thing is about how close USA's. It's not really about the NCAA athletes; it's more about USA athletes are going to have to peak for USA's. And then two weeks later have a second peak as opposed to be able to get like a month in to get ready for Worlds to peak. I think it might help or hurt. I don't fine. know if it's going to help or hurt, but we'll find out in 2022. I think they'll
1: be fine. I'll, but I want to I wanna look at last year. So Grant Hawley won gold. So that worked out well. Uh, while Jonathan Scott fourth in the 400 and ran a, a PR. Good. Tiana Daniels uh, made the – she made the final. She made the final. That's right. So she ran she, she ran well to get to the final. I know that she didn't have a good race in the final, but she got to the final. Uh, Bryce Hopple, the guy never really had a bad race all year. So he could have – Worlds could have been on Thanksgiving and he would have been fine. Um, I think a shorter t- turnaround would help them, wouldn't it? You don't, don't think it would?
0: I, I don't know. I just think having to do conference two weeks – regionals two weeks NCA's two weeks usa's two weeks world's two weeks that's a lot of like mm. racing every two weeks yeah boom 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 i don't know with no break
1: yeah i guess it's the incremental build versus the big race a bunch of time off and then having to build back up debate um yeah. I think, I mean, the good people will figure out how to do it. Maybe there'll be a lot of people debuting at conference. Maybe we'll see that. Like you just, you run your conference race as your season opener. So, you, cause you don't want to burn too many races or if you're a distance runner, you get one fast one in maybe mainford or, or some other you know, p- paced race. And then you go from there. But no, that is, you're right. The USA to, to worlds. I think this would be a bigger issue if it, if those travel considerations, right? but there's not yeah. which is why i think they were i mean that that went into this decision right for the time frame too
0: i don't think it went i mean i'm sure it helped the decision i don't know if it went into it but i think it helped this is oh that's convenient because you think about during when world indoors was uh in portland i think it was a one it was a one week turnaround right wasn't it usa's then World's back to back that's mainly because they had a yeah. they had to pay for every day they had the track in that building so but again world indoors <laughs> is very different from world outdoors with the you know the trials and all that stuff so but i don't know i just don't, think that don't this- july 15th we're not we're kind of forgetting that is super early we're mm-hmm, having worlds mm-hmm. in july we've never had that so yeah i don't know at least well, since 2000 again- i don't know
1: we have 27 months to do the ramp up to that to do the preview the countdown to to the July worlds uh, so we'll check well, I'm, in I'm already... but <laughs> so I'm already ready, but but yeah. here's uh here's but like with uh you're mentioning portland um world indoors don't they always say it takes a day to adjust to each time zone so if you're west coast and you're going over to western europe or something like it's taking you more than a week to get adjusted to that time, so that would be really, really tough. If okay, twenty twenty two World Championships were in Eugene, but they were in London, right, or or Berlin, yeah. that would be that would be a tough turnaround just to get your legs underneath you uh, to get acclimated to the time zone. But because you're just going to stay in Eugene, I think for the American athletes are going to be fine. The other countries' world cha- or the other cha- countries' trials, I'm guessing they'll bump a lot of those up into into June. But we knew this wasn't going to be perfect as soon as things started getting canceled. Like this is – there was going to be some disruption, something that did go to plan, and it could be off schedule a little bit. I think this is on the more manageable side of things. Yeah,
0: I guess the one uh, collateral damage could be that some international athletes have to choose between doing the NCAA system of regionals two weeks NCAAs or – going to race at their national championship. That might be a situation, right? So, like, oh, you yeah, don't know. Old. But, I mean, because, again, NCAAs, need, you need to be at two meets, basically, in order to compete at NCAAs, compete at regionals and and finals. So, but we don't know who that – like, imagine if – I mean, but not all the countries require you to do, uh, like yeah. – Uh, national championships, a lot of them are just like, hey, you're good. We're going to pick you. Like I don't think Divino Daduru needs to run at the Nigerian national championships for him to be selected. They're like, you're good. You're running. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's more an issue for, I would guess, the British athletes, especially the mid-distance British athletes where there's a lot of depth and they do do some some trials situations. Um, Kenyan athletes, although – it's pretty rare for a collegiate Kenyan to make a team because the team's so difficult. So maybe you're right. They 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 could avoid that. But um I mean, in terms of interest level though, I think Link and I were talking about this when we were recording the show that you didn't like. It is kind of cool that it builds to like an apex of hey, if you think of USAs as the semifinals. Right or the conference tournament to the world championships NCAA tournament, it's kind of nice that there's not a month in between the two things, right? From a spectator perspective of following the sport.
0: Yeah, I mean, spectator. Sh- I mean, we should always think spectators first, right? In the end, because that's one problem with track and field is that we don't consider spectators as often. We're like, no, we need we need to give all these athletes 10 full days for us to complete mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a world championship that we can do in right. 2 days when it's a national championship you know so no yeah i agree it's good for the fans do
1: think of it fans. think of it from this yeah think of it from the 2019 perspective imagine and just let's just take one event um and i know the 400 meter hurdles isn't the most important event for everyday fans at least not yet but like you had sydney versus muhammad in that race a world record gets down it's a go, goes down it's an awesome race and then imagine two weeks later you're running that back at the world championships right that that's kind of cool like that's kind of a uh, like there's still momentum from that record there's still interest in that record and you don't need to wait because when there's meets in the interim between usa's and worlds or usa's and olympics You never know who's going to show up. It's awesome when good people do show up, but they're not guaranteed to show up with worlds and Olympics. If they're healthy, they're going to show up. So you get, you get that rematch right away, or you get that awesome event happening right away. You don't have to wait for it. So this year that, that would have been cool. At least even just for one event didn't ultimately matter because they ran a classic race anyway, even though it was six weeks later, but like, I'm just thinking about the attention span of, of, Most fans and most people who are interested kind of keeps it going a little bit there because every other sport does it that way, right? There's not the NBA, there's not the conference finals, and then a month off. I mean, they do take a kind of a big of a break depending on how quickly those those uh, series get wrapped up, but it's like boom, 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 boom. Season's over, move on, next season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always still think though that we should go, we should get away with the whole world championship model and go to a four major model because then it would be like you could have that boom 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 four different times it's like oh mm-hmm. it's a boom 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 for the first time around boom 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 second time around this is like a song boom 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 a third time around you know but
1: well even think about it from like the perspective of the ncaa season right there's not there's not a conference meet and then a huge break and the, like cross country and track operate on that every other week cycle, even throughout the regular yeah. season almost. Teams are usually trying to go to a meet uh, you know, every two weeks, sometimes every three weeks, depending on how much the, the team likes to race and compete. But there's not these huge lulls in the action. So you can kind of be like following along, oh, this person won this week. Let's see if they can do it again in a couple weeks or conference and the regionals, et cetera, et cetera. With, tr- with USAs, it's awesome because you get this do-or-die meet where people are going to – favorites are going to get beaten. People are going to be left off the team who you thought could go. And then two weeks after that, you get the ultimate answer to the question of who's the best in the world. Like That's that's awesome. It that is awesome. And so stop so, downplaying it with your charts and your numbers about how bad this is going to be, Gordon. This is going to be a great thing. Let's just Let's just be happy that 2022 is – yeah. <laughs> I, need, I, need a take. I saw your, I saw your chart and your chart was interesting. Uh, I think it is noteworthy because here's the thing though. And this gets into a little bit of a different topic when the U S underperforms at major championships, there's always some people are grasping. It takes, and it's never just like, well, these three things went bad and they had bad luck in these areas. And that's like skewing the metal count really low. Right. And if these other three weird things happened, the US would have been fine. So we shouldn't blow this out of proportion. It's never that. It's like the championships were too early, the championships were too late, the 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 relays were bad, the the coaching is 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 off. This other country's doing this. Like it's never just the simple explanation of, yeah, you know what? Like we didn't really like we had a couple people fall started and they could have won. And that's it. You do you know what I'm saying? You followed it enough yeah. to know that, that there's always like these this hand ringing
0: afterwards well i mean the one example i think about which completely got broken apart uh the 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 my uh my take got basically stomped on after what grant holloway did in 2019 <laughs> was in 2017 fred curley was burnt out and fred curley was the best runner in that 4x4 four four, but then he got walked down by Trinidad and Tobago and we're like mm-hmm. how does this happen how does fred curley who was Throwing it down massive he was like he was having like a Michael Norman type season, right where he was running out of his mind indoors, went and dominated outdoors, was dominating you know did well at USAs, but he just like burnt out by the time he ran in 2017 worlds, and that four by four you just mm-hmm. it, it wasn't the Fred Curley we knew from a few months earlier, and the argument right. that you would say was he was burnt out from racing so much, you know A and m they love to race every week. They they really treat every weekend like a race opportunity. Uh, so you were thinking, oh, maybe he had too many races under his legs, and that's why he was burnt out. Meanwhile, Grant Holloway, who runs a 100 races, wins a world title. <laughs> now, I do think there's yeah. a caveat. It's the difference between running 60s and 100s versus running 400s multiple times. But uh, that was, like, my take of, like, these college kids get burnt out from multiple races, so they're not able to stay on top of their – form when it comes to the world championship, you know they peak for USA's or for NCAAs, but they can't peak for worlds where all the pros can peak for worlds because they kind of start at USA's. But I don't know. Yeah, Grant Holloway blew well, that and- notion out of the water when he wins in October when he was running December races.
1: know yeah, so yeah, not a, well. A there's plenty. Of, there's plenty of evidence on on both sides of that right. I remember Karine James, 2011 wins the the world championships off of a of a collegiate season right but yeah there's just as many people who they get to the world championships or the olympics the college kids and they're just gassed because they've been doing this for 6 7 months my my larger point is just like no matter what the result is going to be people just reverse engineer the the conclusion to to base it off that so if the if the US does really well in 2022 looking ahead to 2022 they're going to say, "Oh, why don't we do this more often? Why don't we have like the, this this tiny little break?" And the U.S. will be even better. Um, and then if they do horribly, they're going to say, "Oh, this was a bad bad idea. Why did why do they do it like this?" And different athletes are going to like re- re- respond to it better. You know, maybe if maybe Grant Holloway was better because he had that big break, right? And if he did a shorter turnaround, if it was a two week turnaround this year, maybe he wouldn't have done as well like that that could have helped him or or vice versa maybe he would have been even better maybe he'd have won by even more if he had only two weeks off after like we just don't you just don't know but usually the cream rises to the top right but it is sports it is unpredictable i remember there was one year i don't was it tw- it was 2015 right when the u.s had a low me- me- metal count that was 2015 i believe yeah. that's right yeah and yes. it's like but then when you're talking about 30 is always the number. That's like good. That's like success. Like, oh man, if the U.S. does really well, they're going to get thirty medals in this championship. That's still a very small number of met. Like, that's a that's a still a pretty small sample size, right? Because then you're saying, okay, tw- twenty five is bad, thirty is good, thirty two or something is great. But that that can be, that can be, yeah, like one guy, Fred Curley, not having a good meet, and then, um. Well, they still meddled in the four by four, but they didn't get the gold. You know what I mean? Like one person yeah. can, can impact that a lot or two people, right. Or a distance race goes fast instead of going tactical. So then that metal opportunity is out the window. Like it's just, it's hard to draw really, really big conclusions from a series of individual events where everybody is coached differently too, right. This isn't the, they're not the Carolina Panthers right? They're not coached by the same person and they have the same philosophy and leadership and made all all the same off-season decisions, right? This is a whole bunch of people operating independently to comprise one team. And then, so to to pull out a result and be like, that's it, right? I mean, I think that was 2015, right? Was the year when the U.S. women could have swept the high hurdles because they could always sweep the high hurdles and they got shut out of the high hurdles, right? It's like weird stuff happens.
0: Very true. So as as you know, we're, it's April 13th in the year of Corona. Um, that's what, it's not 2020. It's it's Corona year uh, and no track and field. And I do, there was an interesting article that got thrown to us in our email a few days ago by our beloved dictator, Ryan Fenton. Uh it was about the national. Uh, it was about uh, name image and likeness for college athletes i'm not sure if you clicked on the article did you did you click on yeah, the article yeah he sent it to me
1: yeah what was the okay. source on this this seemed this seemed just made up though i don't i don't really believe it but it seemed it made up true. but i
0: just want i just want to talk a little about it so basically it was an article talking about what uh, potential earnings an athlete can make off their name image and likeness and obviously, when you think of a star basketball player or football player, you know they they can make a lot of money in endorsement deals. Uh, but they talked about the social media influence that some of these athletes have, and how they can make money. Obviously, as like an Instagram influencer, and I'm not sure if you noticed, but there was two track athletes they said were in the top 25 for potential earnings in Instagram influencing, and one of the athletes yeah. was Divine odor yeah. Beauty, yeah who could make $13,000 on his Instagram. And then ranked above him was a a woman named Brooke Thomas, track and field runner for Oklahoma State, who I looked up on Tifers. She isn't that fast. I never heard of her name until I looked it up. But she runs like a... Her sixty time is eight point oh one. She's a twelve eight hundred meter runner, so she's not really good at running. But they said she could make thirty four thousand dollars off her name, image, and likeness. I was surprised with those two so, names. Okay, back. do you? Okay, what, what were you gonna say?
1: Well, I would say back up here. So I, again, I don't know the, the source of this, but are they saying that's how much they make just off of Instagram and social media or in general, that's how much they can make?
0: I think it's based off of their Instagram influencing. So I think they take your Instagram followers and multiply it by 80 cents and that's how much money you can make.
1: Okay, how many followers does Divine Oduduru have?
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: I mean, I never, so the I never girl had
0: 40,000.
1: Okay. I mean, there's, yeah. So
0: basically I looked her up and I... she's, you know, she's a very like Instagrammy female typical posts. So she's popular in Oklahoma, I guess. But what made me think was, what do you think a track and field athlete could make off their name, image and likeness in college? And what do you think someone like Sydney would have made off of her name, image, and likeness? So, not based off of like, yeah, so yeah, whether it's sponsorship or not sponsorship, like obviously we know, like, you know, like Trevor Lawrence of, of Clemson can make a lot of money. He could get a hair yeah. product endorsement, you know, Joe Burrow could get, you know, money out of the Wazoo when he's on his run for LSU quarterback. But what do you think track and field actually could make? Like, I mean, anything?
1: I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, like, couldn't, couldn't, uh, so you're saying not like a shoe company or like a, you're not saying not a
0: a shoe company. I mean, Mondo. Yeah, you know, I mean,
1: I mean, Mondo is the best athlete in Sweden, right? And he was the best, best athlete of Sweden, in Sweden, even when he was in LSU right so I'm sure a Swedish company a Swedish company would have paid him a good fair uh, a good amount of money to to sponsor him right
0: yeah but do you think I just think it's like Mondo though at the same time is like you're picking up you're picking an athlete who goes on to break the world record right what's a typical athlete could make where you're just good in college but you're not like an all-time great like Mondo was you know what I mean? I would like, think you're a like lot a 358 of. Miler.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that, the three fifty-eight miler is that's not equivalent to Trevor Lawrence, right? The three fifty-eight miler is equivalent to like an offensive lineman on Clemson who is probably good at their, is good at what they do, but nobody knows the the offensive line and uh, Clemson, right? There's no there's no recognition of them from the general public. Most people couldn't name those people. Like when you're talking yeah. about starting quarterbacks, when you're talking about starting quarterbacks. You're talking about, in terms of marketability, that's the equivalent to the best person on the track team, right? So, like, what could the yeah. best person on every track team make? I don't have any idea how they calculate, like you said, you gave that formula for Instagram, but it's like, okay, so, but, like, could um, could um Morgan McDonald have made money from, like, a, I mean, sh- like, local running stores I know right now are, are, are in a tough spot, but, like, Say 10, 15 years ago when local running stores were, were more vibrant, like would they have paid, could they have given money to a, like the college star from that town more than, th- I think they could, I think they would have paid them more than $13,000. I feel like that's lowballing track athletes even by track standards. That seems low.
0: I don't know. But like, what, what is there value in giving Morgan McDonald $13,000 for like the local I think- running store?
1: Well, I I think so because I I think, well, because I think colleges and universities have different relationships with communities than just like random fast person who happens to live there. Right. And obviously we're hypothesizing because this world doesn't exist because we've never, they've never gone down that road. But I feel like if, you know, Trevor Lawrence is doing local commercials for a diner in Clemson. In Clemson. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a little different, especially because he's at his peak, right, in terms of popularity. That's different than some guy who graduated from Clemson, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. I don't know someone like Ryan Fenton who went to Clemson, for example, like doing ads. Like I think it carries, I think it carries a bit more weight because they're being mentioned in an ad and they're being used in an ad when they're hot, when people are talking about them, yeah. when they're in well, I guess- in the news. It's
0: what we look at our sport in rose-colored glass, rose-colored glasses a lot. Do you think that there's businesses out there who would see the value in the endorsement of an NCAA track and field athlete
1: for specific? I mean, it would be in the same. It would be in the same sort of um, areas that they're sponsoring athletes now, right? this GPS watch or these running sunglasses or this yeah. water bottle or this recovery device. Like it would be those same type of thing. I don't think anybody would be getting rich off of it unless it was someone like Amondo, Right. Or, or yeah. a Goughlin. but they're, well, they're different, but like, yeah, if, um, some running specialty shop has a new product or some, some company has some new way to recover or some energy gel or something, I think it would be because they're winning, right? Like, there's a lot more cachet in the in sponsoring the young person who's winning, even if the level is lower than like, here, I got ninth place at USA's.
0: I, I think so at least,
1: especially when you're yeah. marketing to younger people.
0: Yeah. Well, I just also think though that the amount of sponsorship and marketing opportunities in the track and field world is already very limited. So I don't think all these products and companies are being like, you know we just want to give out we want to give out sponsorships but we only have the small pool of these pro athletes we're just waiting to have this larger pool to give more money to all these nca level athletes i don't think that exists like because i think it it's better for like like if you're a local car dealership you can't afford to give cam newton sponsorship money because cam newton is out of your price range but you can do it for an 18-year-old who is the star of the college football team in your town, right? Whereas, if you're a running mm-hmm. store, the budget difference between an NCAA love play, athlete and like a first-year pro or even a top pro is probably not that different because, let's be honest, most pros aren't multi-millionaires, right? They're they have mm-hmm. like job. They have they make you know forty to seventy thousand dollars, so they're like kind of in the same. Basic, you know. I just don't think that the there's going to be that many money opportunities. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I was just surprised to see well, this that, random runner, Brooke Thomas, <laughs> being able to make. When you know, when as a track fan, right? I'm reading this article like, ooh, how much a track athlete's worth? And a number one track athlete is worth thirty four thousand dollars. And I never heard of her, and she's not even good at running. So I was just like, what is going on? So I was.
1: Well, yeah, that's the. I mean, all the, all those how much is this person worth of that person worth online list are usually guessing, right. They're not usually that accurate. And this even more. So did they look through every single track athlete and figure out who had the most Instagram followers? Like, did they actually go and do that? Like is 40,000 the most that anybody had? Like, I feel like there's gotta be some other NCAA track and field across cross country athlete that has.
0: Well, you think like, more like Tara followers. Davis and I bet you Tara Davis has like over a hundred thousand. Right. Yeah.
1: That's why I think this would, I have no idea. I don't This is a this is a blind spot for me. I'll admit that I do not know a bunch. Yeah, Tara, about, Davis, um, is a of, has, Tara Davis is
0: 140. It's Davis is 142,000. Yeah. So she's it's, on she could Instagram, make right? a lot
1: more, yeah. yeah. On Instagram. I I don't know, I think they just started uh, picking. There was not much Yeah, I think they just were like, "Hey, this person has has track in their bio. They they must be the highest." 40,000, that sounds about right cuz that doesn't make Yeah. whole heck of a lot of sense. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it through the ends lens of Oregon, where that's the highest profile track school, right? And that's like the if you're going to get the community to sponsor a track athlete, it would be in Eugene, right? That's like the yeah. the pinnacle. So I could see you know two thousand and eight Galen Rupp doing an ad for for the Chevy dealership and people being like, Oh, that's kind of cool. That's Galen Rupp, right. Um, but I don't know other schools, right? Like, I don't know, like, could Lopez LeMond have done like a Flagstaff Ford dealership? And like, would people in Flagstaff know who he was? Like people in Oregon know who the tracks are. They're on, they compete at home. They're in the newspaper. People still get the newspaper in eugene like there's just that that tradition there so there's actual ra- name recognition in other cities throughout the country even small college towns like did they know the number one runner even like do people in ames know edwin kergott i don't i don't know i've never lived in ames so I, I i couldn't answer that for you i don't know how i don't i don't think they do. i don't know if, yeah i don't know how much they're following like the local well because in eugene like that actually happens right like the town is small enough. They'll bump into them around town. They'll see them on the billboard. They'll, they'll read about them in the paper. They'll see them, you know, they'll go n- media covers them. So they go to these meets. So they know what Edward Chesarek looks like. They see like yeah. my dad would see Edward Chesarek on the trail, like once or twice a month. And he would tell me, Oh, I saw Chesarek and the guys out there working out. Like my dad's not rapidly following track and field. He knows about track and field. Um, He's never watched anything I've done personally, no. Um, but like he, like they were out and about. Like he didn't just he didn't like say, "Oh, I, I found this runner." Like he knew who Chesarek was. Is w- what I'm saying. So I think if it could work, if it if it could work anywhere, it would work in 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 Eugene. Um, so that would be an interesting test case. But this this uh, this runner from Oklahoma State, I'm interested to know in how they they stumbled upon her as the. The top. I wonder how many guesses it would have taken you to come up with her.
0: Oh yeah, I didn't know this person existed. I did notice well, divine. she had. I went to her. Yeah, divine. I wouldn't was even guess divine. Too. Yeah, I wouldn't Like one of they, especially you'd think like Grant Holloway had more Twitter followers than Divine, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't notice this 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 Brooke Thomas character. She had like a viral, uh, tweet like a year ago where she went to the dentist and uh she was like on novocaine or not whatever like you know coming back from a dentist so she's like hi and she did, she had like a really funny video of being interviewed post surgery so okay maybe that's how she got fame. yeah had Who like knows? millions of views
1: okay yeah you know, well there you there you go and then maybe someone remembered at this website hey she does track so yeah she's got the, she's got the top potential on NIL right there um yeah, divine. I divine went viral a few years ago with an interview he did when he was competing at World Youth for Nigeria. But I don't know. Like I know he's 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 big time in Nigeria, but I don't know what the how that would translate into dollars for your Instagram feed. Um, I don't even know yeah. how many followers he has. But
0: well, we're just like two old guys who don't really understand social media monetization, probably as well as like the young kids like influence because influencing is like a whole, you know, economy, right? The Influencing economy. And I think college athletes have like an ability to be part of that economy easily. Like, like we, a lot of college athletes don't need their local car dealership to call them up and schedule them and sign a contract with them. A lot of these college athletes can go right to the, the source and use their Instagram fame as a way to get you know get money I don't know how that works so I don't know how product placement in Instagram ads works but I'm sure yeah these college kids who are brought up in the you know the vlog era right putting their life out there on the internet constantly kind of know how that economy works it's like I mean Tara Davis she's yeah. hundred forty two thousand hundred forty two thousand followers. I'm sure she knows exactly how she could easily get sponsorships left and right as soon as that law becomes, you know, countrywide law. Because it's going to be law in California, right? But this is going to happen.
1: yeah, that's what they said. I mean, they they've slow played it because I think the NCAA was like, no, I don't think that. <laughs> like, do you want to still be in the NCAA, like USC, UCLA, and Cal and Stanford or not? I you 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 bring up a good point because yeah, we're talking about very old school ways of sponsorship. Maybe it would be an energy drink, right? That thinks, oh, this person goes to a college where there's fifty thousand students, right, and they are. They have a, a big following amongst all these students. So maybe it's, man, it's finals week. When I need a pick me up, I reach for Gordon's Juice drink that gives me 900, 900 grams of caffeine. And I can, like, maybe that's it, right? Maybe, maybe it's just a matter of you want to get to the most popular people and the, the people who have the largest social circles and their athletes on campus. And sometimes they're athletes in non football, basketball type sports, right? Maybe it's just like, a person who's really good at this, who gets their name out. So it's, it's it's kind of, it's tangential that they're an athlete, but it's not even essential that they're an athlete. Um, Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we actually stumbled on what the actual strategy here is after about 20 minutes of discussing this.
0: Yeah. Look at us. It's quarantine time and we're here figuring out the economics for future college athletes. That's what we're doing. Figuring it out.
1: Do you want to tell me we got some, uh, we got some time here left. Um, do you want it? It is Bowerman Week. It is Bowerman Week.
0: So what, what does that yeah. mean, Bowerman Week, Kevin?
1: So Bowerman Week means we're doing some Bowerman coverage, some content on the site. We have the Evan Jaeger film part one going up today. We have the Shalane Flanagan film later on in the week. We're going to be showing some old races um, of them breakdowns of their best moments. I know Lincoln today is writing a top 10 Bowerman athletes of all time. I think he's extending it because they weren't always called Bowerman, right? So he's top 10 Jerry Schumacher coached athletes of all time. Uh it's it's the it's the Schumacher group there. So yeah, that's it. That's it. We're just incorporating a lot of Bowerman stuff. Last week we did Florida week, which was, which was fun. We got to have a Holloway day on on Wednesday. Um so, yeah, I guess, do you want to just run through kind of your, like, when was the the apex of Bowerman for you?
0: Any key the moments? Apex. stand apex. Yeah. Ooh, key moment. Um, I mean, it, one thing I kind of like about is that, you know, when I started working at Flow in 2014, there was like no women on the Bowerman track club. There's like two but it wasn't like a team. It was just like, oh, yeah, and they have these two women or three women. And I think seeing the evolution of Bowerman Track Club going from like an all male group to now not just a male and woman group, but the female group being better than the male group and not just better than the male group, but like a world class, you know, female group, you know, I think that's been kind of cool to go from no women to like, a bunch of women, but not just like, they weren't just like fillers. Like they were actually women who go on yeah. to now become Shelby Houlihan, Kate Grace, Schweizer, you know, all these, and you know, Flanagan obviously winning New York city. Uh, but I think that's, what's been kind of cool for me is seeing the going from to, to seeing the creation of the women's side of the team mm-hmm. and not just the creation of it, but the flourishing of that, that side of the team. So that's what I think that's been the apex was, jerry making the decisions like yeah we're going all in now on women as well so and i think mm-hmm. it took it took shalane and i, I think amy craig to kind of like start that and be like yeah we're doing this you know because you know jerry probably was like oh no we got it good we, i'm i got my people and then i think shalane and amy kind of did the nudging to get him to expand so i think that's how it acts. i could be wrong but
1: <laughs> well now they're in every event right which yeah. is and and it's tough to compare them to other groups because they're just so much deeper and so much better than virtually every single group. You look at the group formerly known as NOP, right? Even them, I mean, they didn't have a they don't they didn't have a huge women's roster, right? They have Hase, they have Roberry, they have Hassan, they have Klosterhoff, and they've had other women throughout the years, obviously. Um, but it wasn't this huge roster, right? They can the Bowerman track club women can put people on the team in every single track and field event, right? 800 through the 10,000 and the steeple, like they have everything covered, which is cool. Um, I think it's cool that Shalane retires and then becomes a coach. Like that has a very like team sports element to it of like, they're moving on, but they stay like within the organization um,
0: yeah.
1: early on. They weren't branded as a separate group. It was very strange because there was OTC Elite Eugene, and then there was OTC Elite Portland, which had two parts. Because if you remember the Salinsky 2659 race, he's wearing the same jersey as Rupp, and they were coached by different people in completely different groups. I think it was 2014, the latter part of 2014, when they they donned the red, and then they had a separate group uh, name separate from everybody else they weren't OTC elite anymore in 2011 the Oregon project changed the jerseys and then they they became a different group as well too so in the span of 3 4 years there they went from actual like there was delineated clear teams that you could tell were separate people in each race so um i thought that was cool too i like the jerseys red and black it was cool i like the ones last year they look like one of those magnetic balls that you put your hand on in science class and the, the laser kind of falls it around. Uh, I thought that was nice. Um, 2017 though, to me, was the, was the biggest year, right? You get Jagger medals, you get Frerich's getting silver, Craig medaled in the world championships marathon, and then Flanagan wins New York city that fall too. So that was, that was a good one there. I think that's the year Jerry. Yeah. Jerry won uh USATF coach of the year that year too.
0: Yeah, I mean, they basically have, I mean, the fact that they have just like, they could, they could put two women in the top three in almost every event from 800 up, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like, yeah, run, run,
1: run through that, run through that for me, run through the, the dream Bowerman women's scenario for the Olympic trials next year. How would it, how would that play out?
0: Okay. Oh, for dr- the dream barman scenario would be, uh, okay. Obviously the marathon's out of it, but you do 5k, you would have it be Schweizer and Fraser. Mm-hmm. 10k would be infeld and, uh, and, uh, Mar-a-Hall. yeah. Merrill hall. Right. Uh, 1500 would be Shelby and maybe it's just Shelby, and then 800's Kate Grace, right? Is anyone on missing? Oh, Steeple, obviously, uh, Farrick and Quick.
1: So that's so, eight people.
0: No, wait, no, it's more. That's eight. Yeah, it's eight. Yeah, eight people. Yeah, that's a lot
1: yeah so the only ones i mean you just laid right
0: that. now are cranny um what's her name the wisconsin athlete triathlete what's
1: gwen jorgensen gwen jorgensen jorgensen yep.
0: so cranny jorgensen is the only people i'm missing right there might be someone else
1: uh well amy Cragg, obviously she's hurt I Amy mean, uh, yeah what wasn't able to compete in the marathon Ah, uh, I believe that's it. I had the list, but yeah. So you're saying yeah. so here. So here, let's run through this. Let's run through this they one more time. They could get eight. Yeah. The, the,
0: the I think the, they'll get six, but they'll get eight. They could get eight.
1: Yeah. So here's the path. Here, just to summarize, here's the path for the Bowman women to get eight: Grace in the eight hundred, Shelby in the fifteen hundred, Fraser and Swiezer in the fifteen hundred or in the five thousand, ten thousand Hall, yeah, ten thousand Hall and Infield. And then Steeplechase, Quigley and Freyricks. That's not even a reach, right? To say
0: eight. Well, like, you're say not that, even like,
1: wishfully thinking.
0: You'd argue. I'm saying. That, I'm saying like and, and uh, Fraser two like reaches.
1: Reaches okay, but still, is kind
0: of a, a harsh word to use in there because they're still both really good. Like, but I'm saying probably it's not like on their if bad every, day. Get fifth. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. My point being, like six would be like the low end, right? And eight is definitely attainable. Also, are they going to sign any new people before next year, right? They could have somebody else join the fray and they could be even better. So I think it's – I think you're absolutely right. It's perfectly realistic to see eight BTC women on the Olympic team next year. And that would be There's crazy. There's a
0: point though when you have – too many right because there's a point where well, they, like, when you're, you're lining yeah. people up where they know that there's going to be a failure no matter what right because
1: well because you're not you're not going to get to three yeah but i think like everybody's kind of got different event specialties and the way they've me- metered this out is that is very smart right you don't have too much overlap in there at all right it's not yeah. like you have five it's not like you have five 1500 meter women and the other thing you have you don't have a situation where it's like okay well this person is there just to like pace these people or this person's there as as a workout partner for these other people like they all have their own specialty they jump in other events and maybe they're stronger or weaker in those other events but like they all have the, the thing that they do really well and they all have the capability of being top three in the united states
0: yeah the key that they need so. to do is i mean the the key question is how they run Kate Grace, right? Do they mm-hmm. try to roll the dice to try to get two in the fifteen, or do they see that it's it's a lot because you guys assuming Shelby is going to be top three no matter what, you're saying Kate Grace mm-hmm. got has to be one of two, right? And being one of two right. is a lot harder than being one of three, right? So, I can do the math. You know. Yep. Yep. That checks out. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That checks out. Aj Wilson. So, I don't. Know.
1: Aud- Audrey Wilson, though, has a similar True. Shelby-like quality, and she just got beat by Raven Rogers at Worlds. So, But I agree with you. I think the 800 team next year is a little bit, by a fraction, easier to make than the 1500-meter team. That's what I would say.
0: Yeah.
1: And you you're know, right. I mean, the the perspective of the- there's no other Bowerman person there. Yeah.
0: Kate Grace would have definitely made the 800 team in 2019 hundred percent, but we'll never, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. When we were you know, talking the 15, to uh... you know, the team, it's hard, man. You got Jenny in there. You got, you got some young, you know, Nikki Hiltz is good now. So I don't know. Yeah.
1: Well, when we were talking to Nikki two weeks ago, you probably didn't listen to that podcast cause you weren't on it, but it was, uh, lincoln's like does it suck to compete in an event that's like really hard the 1500 and she's like as compared to what like the 5k like what's the easy event she's basically like tell me which one's easy and that's the one i'll do like it's really hard to figure out which one is going to be the most navigable now there'll be like injuries and weird things that happen that break open a slot here or there but you don't know that until much later and by that point you've already chosen your destiny but the yeah the fifteen I think when you have when you have Shelby and Jenny there as just mainstays and then you have people like Sinclair Johnson and Nikki Hiltz and we don't know what Eleanor Prier is going to do right if she runs the fifteen uh, she's obviously dangerous there as well too American record holder in the indoor mile yeah there's a lot there eight
0: hundred this is crazy thing but I'll say that the 5k might be the easiest is that weird
1: no that's always been the case that's always in for the us and recent history it's changing now though because when it's changing now because what schweizer and fraser are doing is just like lowering the time bar tremendously now that a lot of that's going to depend on how that race unfolds but the 5000 always seemed like Okay, the 10,000 people have already qualified, now they're doubling back. The 1500 people have qualified, now they're doubling back. It's it's that been that tweener race. But I think yeah, we're remember like they've the never
0: f- fifth place gets to go cuz two people scratch, you know.
1: Mhm. The US, remember, the US women have never medaled in the 5000 at the World Championships or Olympics. Now they didn't have it as an event for the World Championships for a long time because they had the 3000 instead, but the US has got medals in the 10,000. The U.S. has got medals in the steeple. The U.S. has got medals in the 1500. There's something about that 5,000. And part of it, I think, is the dynamic of how that race is run. But I also think another part of it is um, who decides to run it, who ends up in that race, right? Because if Shelby and and Jenny were, I guess, were in the – well, I don't know. Last year's 5,000 was so fast, it's hard to imagine them meddling. But I think – Oftentimes, like the best 5,000 meter runner is running some other event besides the 5,000 in the United States. That's been the case for a while.
0: If we took all the Steeplers, 10K runners, and 1,500 runners and said, hey, we're canceling all those events, you only get to run the 5,000, what is your 5,000 team? So you have, you know, Sisson and Huddle in there, you got Infeld and Hall, you got Quigley, Frerix, and Coburn, and then you got Jenny, Shelby, Schweizer, Nikki Hiltz, Schneider, Emel, uh, Purier, all of them. <laughs> all running the five
1: thousand. I mean, I mean right team? now, if they if they had to run right now, just on recent results, I'd go Shelby, Purier, Schweizer, in some order. That would be my team.
0: So no Cobra. Yeah.
1: No so Cobra. she would be interested. So, has she ever been in like a super? I know she was going to run a ten k for real this year before it got canceled. Has she ever been in like a really fast five thousand? I
0: don't know. I mean, she. So,
1: so my my blind spot on that, I admit, would be the would be the steeplers, just because we don't have as much data on them. But I think Coburn would certainly be in the mix. I remember she placed uh,
0: she doesn't have an outdoor 5k on the world athletics page has she never run a well, 5k no that's this cannot be a thing we just discovered hold on hold on world athletics does not have a 5k for her hold on
1: this is a, it's a gordon mack investigation here his head just exploded when he found out that what? emma coburn may not have ever known
0: she's a never 5, run a 5k in her life no. Okay, hold on. We got. We got to check mile. So Emma, you keep, digging, run keep digging. Keep digging. She's running Obviously, everything. all right. Let's bring up mile split.
1: Keep uh, going, Gordon. Find the truth.
0: Five thousand. Oh my goodness! No.
1: Right, wait. Uh oh. What did you uncover? Tell us what happened.
0: I'm looking. I'm looking. Give me I'm facts. trying to see. If, I need to know. If she ran 5,000 in the high school either. Well, that'd be when pretty good. When I get to high school? Okay, we're in high school now. She ran a 200 in high school. She ran 30.02 in 2008. Okay, so she's run
1: run more 200 than 5,000.
0: Okay. Her last 5,000 is on cross country in 2007.
1: What? Wait, did you look at Chiefs?
0: She's never run a track 5K in her life. Emma. What are you doing? You need to run a track five K. You could be Wait. a you could be a fourteen forty girl and not even know it. He's got to show Did you up. did
1: you did you look on T first too?
0: Yeah, it's she hasn't run a five K in her life. Only cross country.
1: Do you feel like you've been living a lie? You've been covering track been for li- all this time and you never knew this?
0: That's the ultimate what I guess. <laughs> All right, what do you think of it? What do you you're, think? What do you think of running huh? a 5k like during like a peak like fitness? What do you think she runs? What's the over under? I mean, the over under, I guess, is 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, let's do 15 flat.
0: 15 flat. I'll take yeah. the under. Yeah, I think she runs 1450.
1: Steeple PR is what nine,
0: like nine flat, nine
1: oh one, right? Not right at nine, right? So, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I think so. That's three minutes, that's right at 15 minute pace. I definitely think she's under 15.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. What's um, emma am a comment. Is run a 5k? For...
0: Everyone, I've what's run
1: a for... 5k. What... <laughs> what's what's Frerix's 5,000 PR? Uh can we get
0: that? That's a, that's, that's a good uh a good I wanna uh I want to try to find a
1: column out. here. Yeah.
0: I know but she's Courtney run some Herx indoors. And, yeah. Her personal best in the 5K. Well, her outdoor 5K PB is 1622 from 2013. But her indoor 5K is 1502 in 2020. 1502? 1502. So
1: Steepler, steeple. I think I'm almost inclined to say Coburn could go under 1450. Um, Okay, look up this one because she might have run it uh, from Germany, the German steepler whose PR in the steeple is pretty close to to Coburn. Gessa Krause, G-E-S-A-K-R-A-U-S-E. Get me her steeple PR and her 5,000 PR and see if we can line something up here. I just think if you're that good in the steeple, I mean, it's – She's so fast. her
0: steeple we, we, we PR know. is 9.03, just is similar Okay, to, So she's only on 15.24 in the 5K.
1: These people, just, they but just don't her, run 5,000.
0: Her 3K PR is only a second faster than her steeple PR. So she's not
1: – Oh, you know. I, I got a good one. I got a good one. Uh, Give me Alio's PRs. We know she ran some 5,000s. Because she ran every single race that you could possibly run in college um multiple times. Because so Allie's run, I think, 1512 or something, 1515? 15,
0: 1516 at 1516.
1: Okay. And what, what's her steeple PR?
0: Her steeple PR is
1: 930. So, so 30, 30 seconds, seconds slower. Do some, do some advanced analytics and figure figure that out for next next episode, okay? Man. What a shocker. I think we have an episode okay. title now for this thing. Do you think she's gonna is retire
0: without a five K mark? She's gonna be like what when she's walking down the street, oh yeah, I used to be a professional runner. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, what's your five K? Oh, I never ran one. Oh, you're not you're not a real runner then. Are you not a real runner until you run a five K? Like is that how it works? <laughs>
1: Well, she's run five – she paced – remember that? Was it Peyton? She was pacing the 10,000 and she stayed in for like 6K. So she's got a split at least. No, I know that doesn't count. I I could be imagining this, but I feel like she ran – or she said she was going to run a 10K at Stanford this spring. I think that's something that she said recently. So
0: That's still wild that she would run a 10K before she runs a 5K.
1: I mean, people always say that steeple is run at ten thousand meter race pace, but I don't know if that's applicable for for someone who's specialized in it that that much. For for every single person, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. This is incredible. Again, the things you discover She's in the last like, ten not minutes in of the high podcast. High school or
0: college, like you think she has like a random like sixteen thirty from like a conference meet or something, but no.
1: So that's what I thought. I thought in college she would have done it did she just she just did like steeple and 1500 in college was that pretty much it yeah yeah i'm
0: gonna bring up her all right yeah steeple three k's, 1500 smiles it's wild so if you have
1: any more insight on this ongoing investigation email us at flowtrackpodcast at com. we'll add it to the dossier there's going to be a corkboard behind gordon for next episode where he's charting all this stuff out uh, speaking of emails, Lincoln and I will read some of those tomorrow. We got a bunch of them in there, including some people uh, who didn't like your uh, um, your BYU takes. So we'll have to clarify that. Make sure you're on good terms with our friends in Provo uh, moving forward. But uh, you know, Lincoln, Lincoln angered the entire country of South Africa, and uh, so just feuds every single week. It seems like here.
0: That's right. All right, All man, right. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Yep. Thanks, Alon, for producing. Thank you for hopping on, Gordon. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.